0: Good morning. Hello from Idaho. <laughs> How many of you have ever been to Idaho? Praise God. Amen. If you haven't been out there yet, you need to get out there? We came bearing gifts. Gifts like you're likely not to see. I've got to figure out where I put it, Pastor Phil. I think it's right here. Um, World-known, world-renowned is this candy. It's called an Idaho spud. And it is a chocolate bar that, uh, I, I'll just put it to you this way, They're, those have already come by our table to uh, check out our table, and they saw these, and the reaction so far has consistently been the same. <laughs> is it a potato? Is it is it a potato chocolate something? And I'm just going to tell you, uh, part of being a missionary is being uh, experienced. Uh, willing to explore, so I'm not going to give you any further introduction on what that is. Try it uh, and let me know if you survive it. Okay, so uh, I would say if it was really world famous, you'd have known about it before now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so uh, yes, I have eight kids. I've been in Idaho for all of my uh, full time ministry life. I uh, moved to Idaho in uh, 1994, and uh, Fellowship Baptist Church was started in 2002. Uh, my history is that uh, this ministry here, uh, Maranatha Baptist University, uh, has ministered to my life and helped to shape me in ministry and develop me as uh, a pastor. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 is a passage that talks uh, where Paul talks about being co-laborers. He says here, For we are laborers together with God, you're God's husbandry, you're God's building. And He's talking to the Corinthian church there, but he talks about a partnership that we share. And that partnership is that all of us, as the body of Christ, are partners in the laborers of, labor of God together. And in that partnership, we desire to be here and to be a help to the ministry. And in particular, what we're trying to do is to expose people to uh, the Intermountain West uh, and the needs for ministry there. And I just want to say this about that. While God has led us to be there, and I could give you all kinds of reasons to, as to why we're there, it's our burden that God wants laborers everywhere. Amen? That God wants laborers all over the world. And one of the things that we have been uh, aware of and becoming more and more aware of, while we are seeing the needs where we are, the needs are right here in Wisconsin as well. matter of fact, several have told me of different fellowships here and the different need for pastors here and right here. I'm, I consider this part of the Bible Belt. I was born in Mississippi, raised in Indiana, College in Wisconsin. And in that vertical Bible Belt... Uh, even in this area, there are need, uh, there's a need for laborers and need for people to be involved in the ministry. And we want to partner with that. And by the way, I think God does have a plan for that. And I want to say this about, about what we've done so far today. And I appreciate the music all the way from the beginning to the song right before the message. Uh, this place has to be about Jesus. And our lives have to be about Jesus. And really, we are just wanting to partner with you to be a help in that and what we mean by that is we have an internship program that we are uh, pursuing and have developed and in further development trying to find people that would like to be trained in ministry we have a particular focus in pastoral ministry but frankly God wants ministers everywhere he wants his people serving now to that why are we out west Uh, let me ask you this what do you know about Idaho on the count of three, what do you know about Idaho? One, two, three. Potatoes. Yeah, amen. There you go. That's what you know. And uh, matter of fact, uh, <laughs> we brought authentic Idaho potatoes here. But we bought them at your local Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's what Idaho is known for. Uh, but there's more than potatoes out there, and there are people. And in particular, um, I think sometimes people in ministry think, well, um, you know, I, I, I need to go uh, this place or that for ministry. This ministry really needs my help because they're a small work. Uh, I want to say this about ministry overall. Uh, size of church does not matter to God. Every church needs laborers, no matter how big that church or how small that church is. We particularly have landed where we are. Because God, at least in my life, led to um, a desire to be in a place that had the largest population in Idaho. So our valley is comprised of several cities that make up the Treasure Valley. Uh, When I moved there, the particular city that we're in, uh, the population in 1992, which is probably after some of you were born, uh, but the population back in 1992 was 9,200 people in that city. In 2002, that was 32,000. So 10 years, it went from 9,200 to 32,000. And today that same city has over 100,000, and that's just one city of what makes up that valley. That valley is about 750 arguably 750,000 to a million people in the valley. Over half of the state of I- population of the state of Idaho is in that valley. Now I'm going to give you a statistic. I don't believe the statistic that I'm going to give you is unique to Idaho. I think it's in every large city across America. If you were to look at the gospel-preaching churches, and when I say gospel-preaching churches, I'm talking about the broad spectrum. I'm talking about people who are conservative, people who are not conservative, but they preach the gospel of Christ. Those churches comprise about 1% to 3% of what makes up the churches in our area and largely the cities all across America. So what our desire is, is to partner where we can, how we can, to do the work of the ministry and to tell people about Jesus and to give them the doctrine of the word of God. So that's what we are purposed to doing and with that in mind then I have about, what I want to share is about 22 minutes of a message in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the title of the message is simply The Ministry and I know we've prayed but I'm going to, just pray one more time before we get into Second Corinthians 5 regarding the ministry. Would you join me? Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Pray that you'd guide in our time together. Help us, Lord, to stay focused on you. Lord, I pray that you'd guide our hearts to be what you've called us to be. Lord, thank you for allowing us to beseech you to facilitate the work that you're doing in the world. But Lord, help us also to own the partnership that we have with you as as clay pots, as vessels, to be used with this great treasure of the gospel that's been given. Lord, help us to be uh, diligent. Help us to be vehement about our efforts and desires to be ambassadors for Christ. I pray that you should be glorified now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we are in our church. We're in this chapter as a series or in this book as a series in our ministry. And there are two particular words I want to focus on in 2 Corinthians 5. As we look at verses 14 and 15, a little backstory: Paul, in this chapter, is focused on the idea that heaven is in front of him. Now, I I want to say thank you, uh, Dr. Marriott, for uh, this family praying for me through the ministry. Some of you might see that I have a, a white spot right here. Uh, That white spot, I often will have people come and say, hey, what happened to you there? Uh, I will tell you that most of the time, as far as the accident was concerned in my life, that's about all people see of the residual effect of the accident. And it's a mercy and grace that I still get to preach the word of God and be in ministry. But here's what I want to tell all of you this morning. God can take your life without you ever being able even to gasp or say, "Uh uh-oh, or, Lord, help me. And the idea is that you have a vapor of a life. You have so much time. And I know here you are as young people this morning, training and getting education. And sometimes in all that, you, you can get lost into the study and why am I here and all oh, I've got to do this project and that project. I just want you this morning to know that our lives have to be about Jesus no matter what paper you've got coming. No matter what book you've got to read. Our lives have to be about Jesus. And what you're doing here is getting trained so that you can be a better vessel to serve the Lord. More equipped to serve the Lord. And you only have so much time. And like I said, it can happen in a moment that the Lord takes you. So in this time that you have, Paul here in this passage reflects that this life is not all there is. And really, out of all of us who know the Lord this morning... That ought to give us a great sigh of relief. Thank the Lord that this is not all there is. Now, I'm thankful that God is blessed and we have great lives to live for the Lord. He's given so many blessings. Has God blessed you? I mean, think about the blessings that are in your life today. Are there blessings in your life? Hello? Are there? Has God given you coffee? Amen. I mean, has God blessed you? Yes. All right, so... God is good all the time, and and the Bible tells us He daily loads us with benefits. So while we're looking for heaven, Paul's reference here is really this. I am thankful that this life is not all there is, but in the time that I have, he says in this passage, I know the need for being a preacher of the gospel. You find this back in verse 11, uh, well really, we, we has in verse 10, verse 11, verse 10 he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. And the idea there is, is there's a lot in those verses but he's saying that I know that my life and testimony matter and I'm going to be open and clear to you about who I am. But really what it's all about is Jesus. And someday I'm going to be standing before him. You have a great treasure in your life. And that is life itself. You have a great treasure and that God has called you to ministry. Now, I want to be clear on that this morning. I know that there are many forms and many directions of education that you're receiving right here at Maranatha. And praise God for that. But I don't care what God has called you to do in your vocation. God has called all of us to be servants. God has called every last one of us to give our lives to serve the King of Kings. You guys have sung that this morning. It has been in the songs that you have as a collective, given to God in worship. And what I'm burdened about in my own life is not just the intellectual assent of what I say, but the practical life that I live. Am I really living as if these lives are so? So Paul says in verse 15, and he uses a word, and we're going to explore that for a moment. He says, the love of Christ Constraineth us, And so we're going to take a moment to dive into that word. I believe that what we have in the King James is a great translation of that word. There are other translations that translate this as control. Uh, there are others that give the idea of uh, a squeezing. And we're going to talk about that just for a moment. But the idea of that word is that there is the love of Christ that's been given to me. And the love of Christ that's been given to the world that motivates me to live my life for Him. So I want to ask you a question that we ask often in our church family, and that is this. Where would your life be without the Lord? What would you feel about life, going through life, if you did not have the Lord? I'll hopefully have time to talk about this in the message this morning. But Pastor Phil on the plane, Pastor Phil and I on the plane right here were blessed to be able to talk to a lady named Ellery, I would say in her maybe 30s. And uh, and as we talked to her, she's not a believer, and and she really does not know what is after this life, and here's what it entails for her. She's living her life for whatever purpose that she has right now, but she kind of drains off at the end of her conversation saying, And maybe there's more. So I want you to think about where you would be if you were just living your life for just what you have in the days ahead of you. And how empty that would be and how focusless that would be. But that is not what God has given to us who know him. Amen? He's given us a future. And he's given us a calling And really what God has given us is a life that can honestly, a lot of different ways to say this, but spent, uh, wholly sold out to the service of God, no matter what your vocation is. But I will tell you, there is a great falling off and a great dearth of full-time vocational servants for Christ. Now, I believe God wants to use all of us. But we're experiencing right now, in the here and now, a great falling off of laborers in the harvest. And we have got to have a stirring amongst ourselves of the calling that God has given to each individual in this room and the body of Christ across the world. You matter. And God wants to use you here on this planet. And you've been given life because God wants, to, he wants you to be saved, yes. But I think it's important to know that God has called you more to than just being saved. He's called you to service. Paul says, this love of Christ constrains me. What is this constraining? Well, constraining is the idea of control. So uh, I gave this illustration to our own church family. Uh, we are blessed, even though I don't look like I'm young enough uh, to have this. I have a five-year-old in my life who's my son. Most places we go, I get asked if I'm his granddad. No, uh, it's my son. And you know what? Let me ask you. Do you know what one of the greatest difficulties of teaching a five-year-old is? What would you say is the greatest difficulty of teaching a five-year-old? It is attention. It is attention, right? So, have you ever tried to? How many of you have tried to teach a five-year-old? So, I mean, in our family, I'm trying to teach my little guy John three sixteen. Okay, I'm trying to get him to memorize that. I have him come stand right in front of me, eyeball to eyeball, and we go through John 3.16. And as we go through John 3.16, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world. And so what do I do? What do I do? I constrain him. What does constraining a five-year-old look like in that context? What does it look like? Have you ever seen it? That's exactly right. How do you know? You must work with children. You grab their faces eyeball to eyeball. For God so loved the world. And now, let me ask you, is that enough? No. Because you know what that looks like? When you have the little face looking at yours? Their eyes are there, 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 there. And it's really a horrible thing because here I am teaching my five-year-old and do you know how hard it is not to communicate anger? (laughs) For God's loved the world. <laughs> it, is, it is like that. There is a focus, a constraining, a constraining that drives attention to get us to a place of focus to do what God has called us to do and to be what God has called us to be. But the word is constrained and the reason I think it's a great word in the translation is because, yes, it's control. But it's control through squeezing pressure. And there are a lot of different illustrations this way, but we're from the West, and it is one of the illustrations. It is the idea of a cattle shoot. And it's the idea of gathering cattle from all the range and bringing them to the place, the cowboys out ringing them in and, and wrangling them in, And as they bring them in, they bring them to a chute where they can bring them through one by one. Many times they will fully dip these animals. It happens with sheep, happens with cattle. They will dip them to help them be uh, treated against uh, different bugs and things like that. But to do so, they don't want to come willingly. You have to go out, grab their attention, bring them in, and make them account one by one as each one is ministered to what they need. And the idea there is this. Paul is saying that the Lord constrains me. The love of Christ constrains me, captivates me. And now the ultimate sense of that is really at the core of this. And I I can't say this enough. And and in the time that we have, we're probably not going to get to the next point. It is about control. And here's the thing. When you talk about control, there is a part of us in our humanity where we do not like to be controlled. We want to control our own lives. As a matter of fact, we don't like being told what to do. Now, am I right? Do you like a lot of rules and you, you don't like to do that and you don't like to do this and, and be told what you can and can't do and you gotta make your bed and you gotta by the way, I won't go into all the demerits I received back when I was in school for what we call room duties. Do you guys still give demerits for room duties? I won't ask how many of you got demerits for room duties, but let's just say they're necessary for a good life after college. <laughs> okay? Um, but the point is, that control is at the heart of who you are as a believer. I'm going to say it again. You already sang about this. But is your life controlled By the love of Christ. Is that what gets you up in the morning and gives you the focus on what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be? Paul says, I am controlled by this influence that the Lord loves me. He took someone who is dead in trespasses and sins. And there is a world right here in this passage, there is a world that is dead and needs Jesus. That motivating factor of what God has done for me in my salvation motivates me to serve Him, not at a, out of a sense of duty, but I would argue out of a sense of appreciation for what He's done for me. The passage that I would often go to to speak to this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, where it says, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is who we were without Jesus. And here's the truth of the matter. You really don't know how bad your life would be without Christ if you were to try to consider where you would be without him. Now, in that vein, what it does mean for us is that there's a world that is lost and needs this message. So, I want to go back for a moment and talk about this lady on the airplane that Pastor Phil and I had a chance to speak to. You've got to appreciate this. Uh, Here she's sitting on the window seat. Right up against the window, Pastor Phil is next to her and I'm on the other side of Pastor Phil. And she, I forget how she asked the question, but I think she said, so what do you guys do? (laughs) Like, well, amen, that's all we needed. And we started the conversation. But here's the thing, we kept driving her back to fundamental questions. And what she revealed pretty quickly was pretty common to the world. As far as the world's origins, what do you think she believes in? Evolution. Evolution. So when we drive her back to the beginning or drive her back to origins, we keep asking the question, well, okay, well, where did those things come from or where did that come from? Guess what she has? She has faith and no answer. And we have faith and an answer. And the answer is the Bible, the doctrine of the word of God, and what God has done in making us. But here's a startling statement. This lady lives in our valley. She does not know about Jesus, and said so. It was her words to say, I really don't know about Jesus. And she gave us an opportunity to speak Jesus to her. Now, that's only one illustration of one lady at one time in history. And what I'm saying is you're a little bit insulated right now, sitting right here in this room. And I don't take it for granted that everybody in this room is saved. But I do know this, that this passage right here, tells us that Christ loves everyone and there's an open to invitation for everybody to be saved and to be saved people need to know about Jesus for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead everybody needs the savior it goes on to say in verse 15 and that he died for all that they which live unto the, live that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. All right, I do this often. I'm going to ask you to do this with me. So first of all, do you believe this verse? I need an audible. Do you believe this verse? Yes. I want you to read this out loud with me. Everybody together, let's worship in reading this together, out loud together. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. Reading with me now. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Is this just the pastors? Is it? I need an audible. Is this just the spiritually elite? I need an audible. Thank you. Why do I, by the way, I'm going to tell you, I do this pastorally with our church because I think it's healthy for us to respond to the truth that's here, and not just intellectually, but when I know something, if I'm going to live it in wisdom, it has to be out of a heart that loves God, and I have to own this myself. I want to tell you that the world around you is doing just to you what happens to my five year old son. All of life can be this. Let's go that way, this way, that way. Let's do that. And and matter of fact, uh, I've got one of these too, right? One of the things you see on an airplane, what do you see on an airplane? If you walk from the back to the front, you see everybody on their device. Everybody plugged in and checked out. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to have these things. I am saying this. There is so much distraction in this world that drives us away from the focus that God has given every one of of us. And we don't all serve in the same capacity or in the same way, right? But God has made every one of us to serve. And God has designed every one of us to serve. And he says this, that our lives from henceforth, those who know Jesus as their Savior... Our lives are not to be lived unto ourselves. Let me tell you one of the great dilemmas of young people coming to college with a foundational question that I think is off place. Very often when you graduate from high school, what is the question that you receive most often? It's usually a four, three or four, four or five word sentence, and that is, what are you going to do? And sometimes followed through with, what are you going to do with your life? That's a good question. But I want to argue fundamental doctrine that there is a better question. The better question, you know where I'm going. Because you just heard this verse, what's the better question? What does God want me to do with my life? Now, I have an answer for that. It's a general answer, but it's for everyone. You know what God wants you to do with your life? A lot of different ways to answer this. The foundational statement of this college is a great answer. Live our lives to the praise of his glory. There's another specific answer as well. God wants you to sell out and serve. He has called you to sell out and serve. And you matter. So the passion that I bring to this pulpit this morning is not uh, an angry fist down that we're not serving. It's the owning of the doctrine that compels us. And I thank God for every servant that is giving their lives to the Lord for the glory of God and speaking Jesus. From the spectrum that's in this room, there are history teachers, there are English teachers, there are math teachers, there are music teachers, and uh, I was watching Dr. Ledgewood uh, direct um, his choir yesterday, and I told Pastor Phil, watching him reminds me of all the stuff that I do in my music leading, uh, it has the tenets of what I learned from him. And that investment of doing that for the glory of God, that investment of serving the Lord with your gifts and abilities is an investment that God has given to you, but you actually have to own it and do it. And here's the thing. It won't be long before you'll be looking back over your life. It won't be long. It seems like it, but it won't be long. And you are not guaranteed tomorrow. But here's what you have. The gift of the blessing of the gospel message and the gift of God's calling you into service. And with my heart, and with all the passion I had, this is where I wish I, I could be a great preacher. I would love to be able to have the power to convince you of the necessity of your surrender and service. You matter. May God help you May God use you and know that this time in your life is a great time of development as God is not only preparing to use you tomorrow but He wants to use you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each one of these young people. Lord, I thank you for the senior saints in this room as well and those in between. Lord, I thank you for the genius of your design in the body of Christ. I thank you for the equipping that you have done through Scripture, and the calling and equipping that you've done through your Spirit to work in each of our lives, to be consecrated to you. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to consider and remember no matter what educational path we are looking at, you have called every one of us to be laborers into the harvest. You've called every one, of us up, every one of us to serve. Lord, I thank you for the uniqueness of your calling, the uniqueness of your placement of where you put us. But Lord, I pray that in this short time that we, that we have, that we will accomplish great things for you, not because we have great ability, but Lord, you've given us the greatest message on the planet. So thank you for being a great God our great Savior. Thank you for being the one that has equipped and called us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be good stewards of the time that you've given. And in all of, the, all of these things, that should be glorified. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.